The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, this is a podcast after one of those games. Uh, it, we are brought to you, as we have been for several years now, uh, by The Athletic. This this weekend podcast is always about a life following Watford Football Club. And unfortunately, yesterday, Watford lost at home 3-0 to Norwich City. My name is John. With me this morning is Jason. Good morning. I'm looking forward to trying to get through the podcast without using the phrases either teams like Norwich or indeed teams like Watford. <laughs> and... Michael, um, where where are we going to start? <laughs> I wonder more importantly where we're going to finish, but let's 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 get there. I actually want your help for once, boys. I feel like the last thirteen seasons doing this podcast, my job has been the one to sort of make sure we're all happy by the end of it. But I want I need your help this time. You know, we we need to figure out what went wrong in this game. Where are we at with these players? Where are we at with this manager? Where are we at with this hierarchy? And overall. How on earth and what on earth do I have to do to enjoy the rest of this season? I don't mean enjoy it like promotion, but just get something nice from it, let's say, as a fan of Watford. But Mike, where are you at this morning? I know where you're at last night because I've seen all the WhatsApp messages. I woke up to 222 of them. Where are you at (laughs) (laughs) this morning, having had that that sleep to, 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 to sort out your thoughts? Yeah, look, I feel absolutely no better and probably feel feel worse having having slept on it. I feel numb, I feel angry, uh, I feel disappointed. Uh, but I guess most of all, I feel I feel worried. It feels like everything's slipping away from us very 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 quickly. And you you're asking, I like the way you frame it, John, how can we get through this to sort of try and get some enjoyment out of the rest of the season because ultimately that is what we go to football for. That's what we're football supporters for is to try and squeeze some sort of enjoyment out of it but to do that I think we have to squeeze the pips out of what's going wrong and you mentioned the players you mentioned the head coach and you mentioned the hierarchy and I think they are all to blame for last night I think everything has come to a head last night I think we've been hiding from that result a lot this season what the one that springs to mind is Newcastle at home ironically the other team that is probably as bad as us and Norwich in in the division we were lucky not to get a hiding from them at home um, earlier in the season and I said it at the time and we delivered exactly the same performance however many months later however many new players later with a new head coach last night and this time we didn't get away with it and we got absolutely annihilated by a team that is arguably worse than us last night you know Norwich were were, were pretty poor Let, let's face facts they, they scored three goals with two shots on target they've scored four of their 11 Premier League goals against us Let's not make any bones about it. We can put the context of Watford's capitulation firmly into into focus against how bad Norwich are, because let's not get away from it. They're awful. And for us to perform like that, to capitulate like that, is nothing short of shameful. It was pitiful. It was disgusting. There was not one redeeming feature from that performance last night. Not one. The players looked disengaged. They looked uncertain. They looked like they were arguing amongst themselves. We looked like we'd thrown 11 players of varying football ability on the pitch in the hope that they would come together and do something that was good enough to beat a a team in in relegation jeopardy. It it was just as far away from a team as you could could hope to see. But, But Jason, that game, there must have been some conversation, some sort of thought. It was a very jittery start to the game. It took a long time for either side really to settle, but particularly Watford. But the first half... There were, I don't, I don't want to use the word positives. That's a completely wrong thing. It is because there were none, John. There were none. But there was, in, let's say there were intentions of how to play a game of football, but they weren't coming off, were they, Jason? No. And, and for me, it took us, it, it took us about half an hour to actually get anything going. I thought we were, we were way too slow out the blocks. Um, I think I could see what we were trying to do uh, early, early on. We were... Like looking to bring the wide men into play, but Norwich were very disciplined in the way that they played. They were wouldn't let us play the game that we wanted to play. We were trying to go up the up the flanks. They were putting bodies in the area, marking our danger men up front, and we had no option. And we just kept 
moving the ball sort of across the back line from left to right and sort of the all the players seem to be swaying across the pitch it's almost like a metronome left to right left to right with the ball going nowhere after about 10 minutes we we tried to change it up a little bit our uh, our center backs sort of started trying to ping a few diagonals across so we'd move it off to the right and then try diagonal off to the left which found a bit of space found a little bit of joy but to but to no sort of end product and then after about sort of 25 30 minutes we we seemed to start to work things out a bit we we actually started to see some movement so the the front wide men seemed to be dropping short and then Sissoko and Cleverly on either side were then running into space and then that would sort of we were then able to sort of work the ball move the Norwich players around work the ball down the down the sides a bit more and our fullbacks were getting forward and getting into play but the thing then that frustrated me was that Norwich carried on being disciplined and organized and they were getting bodies into the box but we weren't we were finding that we'd probably have two of our three front men, maybe all three if we were lucky, if one of them hadn't been involved in the in the build-up play, in the box. Our midfielders were sort of lurking around outside the area, not just, just I guess, providing a passing option, but not a threatening one. And we just didn't really create anything. I think the, the possession stats were, were pretty high for us, weren't they, in the first half? Yeah, 70 to 30. But what did we have in terms of efforts on target? We had that, I think Pedro tried to... to, to to work something himself and had that shot with the outside of his foot that didn't test uh, Angus Gunning goal, but and then there was that chance right at the end of the uh, the first half where King fizzed that crossing. Other than that, Norwich rarely looked threatened, and and the difference for me was Norwich was showing sort of passion and desire to defend. And to get forward, they they tried to catch us on the counter. Mike said they were they weren't very good. So they did lack quality, and that was evident. But they had the passion and the desire and the want and the will to make a try and make something happen, and b make sure that we couldn't do anything happen. We for 25, 30 minutes had very little movement, nothing to offer the player on the ball, and then when we did start to to make progress down down the wide areas we similarly had no apparent will or desire to want to win the game it, it seemed it, it just felt like we were playing at half pace I think someone on our whatsapp said it felt like a pre-season game at times just because of the lack of energy and that was a difference and and that for me was why Norwich ended up winning by three goals to nil because they deserved it because they wanted to win we didn't seem that interested but honestly and maybe I was going under the I was at home watching on Sky Sports but there was definitely a positive feeling into that like we'd started to sort ourselves out we'd started to you know the way you talk about Jason you you see a team that tried three different things in the first half three different ways of trying to to make things happen and one of them started to make things happen it wasn't enough it wasn't right but we we started but come the second half Jace we know what happened it was just that goal that first goal that just switched everything and all of a sudden we were miles away from getting anything in that game you say that that finish of the first half should have left us with a more positive feeling going into half time and then should have left us feeling positive coming into the second half but again it felt just a bit too slow and pedestrian at the start of the second half we didn't make that perceived dominance count um if it was that at all and then the goal just just so disappointing and frustrating. We had the VAR check for a foul and it wasn't given. And I think too soft, Jace. He was too soft. I, exactly, exactly. I, I, I'm not a footballer. I played a little bit. I did a little bit of eleven aside, and I was mostly a defender. If that was me, okay, I'm not. I'm not good. I have very little talent. Sammy has probably got more talent in his right finger than uh, little right finger than than I have in the whole of my body. I'd have cleared that out because that is a dangerous area. Fine, if you feel a touch and you, you're you attacking, you've got no options or you're in a safe area of the pitch, then you think you might be able to win a free kick, go down then. If that's what you want to do, go down. Don't do it when you're yards from your goal, where the striker is on you and will end up with a ball if a free kick doesn't give it. It just feels like, and it's something we've talked about time and time again on the podcast, is making the wrong decision. And that for me was was Samir making the, the wrong decision in the wrong place, the wrong time. And it just made it easy for them. Again, Norwich, 
lacking their quality, nearly made a mess of it. The ball was played behind Sargent. He, he, he's lucky. He's, yeah, I mean, Sky Sports talk about it like it was an absolute uh, thought of genius. There's no thinking of that. He just threw his leg towards it and it mm. scuffed his um, his studs. But but they made that happen. They, they did. They, they made did. their luck in that case. And if we'd have made the right decision, they would that wouldn't have happened. The, the fact was they were... I mean, it came from a poor ball to Timo Pukki in the first place. Again, Norwich showing their lack of quality. And this isn't sour. We keep saying about how poor Norwich were. This isn't sour grapes. This is the fact. And this is us, I think, proving the point that we are that poor or that poor last night that we couldn't beat another poor team like Norwich. There it is. Um, It just, yeah, they shouldn't have been allowed to have had that chance. From there, it just went south, didn't it? The... The floodlight failure then came, didn't it? And uh, I guess Kieran and I talking about it. Kieran made a, a good point at the game um, where he's saying that this could be and should be good for us because it should disrupt their momentum. It, it, they'd scored the goal. They were feeling positive. Floodlight failure, the stoppage, should have cut all that and a chance for us to regroup and, and sort ourselves out and get back in the game. What happens when the lights... Well, they didn't come back on, did they? When we started playing again... They go and get the second goal, and it, and and that came about because they did what we should have been doing when we had that dominant period in the first half. They they had players finding space. They played the simple passes to the players that were in space. They got the ball into the box. They got the player into the box, one on one. He attacked the ball, won it, puts it in the right place, and it's a goal. And I just sat there thinking that that could have been us first half at any point in that fifteen minutes, but we just again did not show the willing to want to do it. Norwich did and they score. And the third goal was, well, we sort of gifted it to it. On comes uh, Kuchka <laughs> trying to help with uh, Musa, who did, I think, you know, Musa did actually score a goal, just happened to be offside. And, and, and then he was just being a terrier and he was trying to be everywhere and not doing anything decent anywhere. Um, and unfortunately uh, scored the third third goal for, for Norwich as an own goal. Mike, though, you know, we are in, you know, let's let's get down to the, the problems Adams wrote a piece this morning saying the atmosphere seems toxic. Ranieri future hanging by a thread after humiliating Norwich loss. You can read that on The Athletic right now. Uh, and if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery and sign up there for the special offer. That's where we're at in terms of that manager. But is he 100% to blame? Is his change, Mike, the thing that's going to help? The players have a lot to do it. Um, you know, for me, they were soulless. And I don't know where they find that soul from. I think the soul comes from within. I think that truly needs to come from the players. And if anything, last year after the Coventry draw, that felt like a defeat. You know, it was the players that clearly sorted things out and then had a manager to be able to grab and harness that to make us win promotion. The first thing we go to as Watford fans these days, we say things are going wrong. Ranieri, manager, whoever, is, is the thing that's going to happen. We've got used to that. This is a situation that stinks of Gino Pozzo moving his pieces. I was trying to make a chess analogy earlier in my head. I couldn't figure out who each of the pieces would be. Who would Scott be? Would he be the queen? And would Gino be the king? Who would Ranieri yes, be? We're more t- tiddlywinks, John, at Watford, unfortunately, <laughs> at the moment. The, we, we've got this, this, this position that they're all mixed together, but let's start with the players. Let's start with the players in terms of that, that soul. Let's work backwards, because you know, Jason, Jason's spoken about the individual mistakes and the, the lack of ability to make possession count. And I don't know about you, chaps, but I thought we were having some quite significant joy down the right. It looked like... Um, it was Brandon Williams, wasn't it, the left-back? We got the ball over him a couple of times. Kiko got in behind. And he thought, right, that's where we're going to have some joy. Exploit it. And they just didn't. They didn't have the footballing intelligence to work out what little thing was working was something they, they needed to exploit further. So that was a sort of, for me, that just summed up their inability, really, to read a game and to, to, to force home the advantages that they, that they can see unfolding before them. So there's obviously an issue there. This looks like a team of individuals to me. It looks like a team that has just been of, of players who can play football, put out onto the pitch and said, right, let's see what you can do. And what happened last night in the face of a team that was probably less than us in terms of talent, but, but together... 
And in the face of that togetherness, they completely collapsed because they're not together and they don't understand what that is. They don't understand what players sort of really giving everything for the cause is. Uh, it's it's alien to them and that's why they've lost so many games. That's why they were so poor last night. That's why Norwich were able to win. I thought after, when was it? It was 35 minutes when Emmanuel Dennis got his first booking, which incidentally I think was a foul from, it was Lee Millu, wasn't it, who, who the, the challenge was on. For me, that was a challenge the other way around. But what you saw was Norwich players surrounding the ref, getting on with it, you know, doing, playing the game. And I thought, right, this is the, this is the, this is the time that we need to realise we're in a battle and we need to keep our head. So we need to play good football, we need to be committed and we need to be able to keep our head. They were unable to do any of those things, any of them. They failed on every challenge that was set them last night by Norwich. They were failed every challenge that was set them by the situation. Uh, they were failed on every challenge that was set by us as fans with, with expectation of what was required last night. So the players have a huge amount to answer for. There, there was infighting, there was squabbling uh, at various places. They looked disinterested, disorganised, unsure, lacking in confidence I can, I can cope with because, you know, they've been, any team that's been on a run as bad as ours, I get that. It was a big night. But you have to you have to burst through that, and you have to fight your way through it, and you have to earn your way through the other side of that sort of stuff. And precious few of them uh, were able or willing to do that. So that is obviously a huge, huge problem. We've got problems with the commitment of the players. It looks like to me they weren't able to to pull it out of the fire last night at all. So then you have to ask the question: What are they being told during the week? How are they being coached? What's the game plan? What is the uh, culture? What's the um, what are the ideas floating around in in midweek that are then sort of um, molded into a plan that they're told to go out and, and, and deliver on on game day? Because they've had an extra couple of days with the with the postponement of the Burnley game to build on um, what, on the face of it, we thought was a, a half decent point on, uh, against Newcastle. So you'd have thought they stopped the rot. They've got a little bit of momentum, something to build on something the head coach and his staff to, to build on with the with the team. What have they been doing all week to deliver, to deliver that? You say that, Mike, and I think if you look at the way Watford played, like I say, disciplined from Norwich, not disciplined from Watford. Some change in defence, Cabaselli coming in, playing for the first time in a very, very long time with a player that's only played one other game beforehand. I know that in many ways that's a problem because Cathcart was out, but why not Sierra So there's a little bit of disjoint there. But if you look at the way we're playing, there's an intention and you can see the idea is to pass the ball around and do this. And and again, as Jason said, we tried different things. I get that. And I think they're all the things you do on a training ground. And you can do those for every single day of the week for an entire year. You then have to turn it into performances. And it's actually who is the one to blame for not turning them into performances? Yes, it's. I think it's more the players than it is the manager. I've always thought that. There's only a certain point where the manager, where you have, you, you, the only reason I would ever make a change is because the dynamic in terms of how the players are viewing that man is not mean that he's not going to be to lead them into battle. This leads on to the next point, John, doesn't it? And, and you're right in as much as the players were, were abject last night and they ultimately have, have responsibility. But it's happening too often under Claudio Ranieri for it to be... A coincidence, isn't it? But do you not think he ha- just hasn't had an opportunity to solidify things? From the f- point of view, is he came in Liverpool, got a win against Manchester United, run of hell, which we saw positivities out of. Then when it got down to the games we wanted to get points from, against Brentford particularly, things started to unravel. He then hasn't really had an opportunity with a full squad at any point to be able to form it because of covid restrictions then players going away and new players coming in he actually hasn't had that sort of spell of the season which you want once the transfer window settled down at the beginning of the season you go right these are my boys let's work on it and let's get to october and be ready to rock and roll and he came in at that point we wanted to be ready to rock and roll in october before we had to play this stupid run of games against all the top sides i'm not trying to defend him but I am trying to say he hasn't had a full run to be able to cement things. 
Perhaps I think I think that's fair to look for mitigating factors, and I think that's but but potentially generous. I think as a head coach, you have a a, a way you want to play, um, and a, a style you want to play, and a, a, a subset of tactics, if you like, that you want to that you want to implement. And regardless of who you have at your disposal, and you're absolutely right, John, we've had people away at Afcon, of course, we've had injuries, we've had COVID, we've had new players come in, so there is churn if you like, and there are uh, issues for, for Claudio Ranieri to face. But he knows how he wants to win a football match or not lose a football match. For the majority of his time at Watford, he's been unable to do that. We've lost and we've lost badly week in, week out, really. Uh, I'll give them credit for Tottenham Hotspur because I think they actually did stick to a game plan then and ultimately they blew it at the last, but at least they defended resolutely for 90 minutes and looked like they were following a game plan that really and you know Manchester United were swept aside Everton we beat as well but I mean they they were a joke as well but the games in which we haven't performed they've been so far away from acceptable on a regular basis that it's impossible not to attach some blame to the to the head coach you have to if you want to draw a a picture and someone keeps changing the, the, the pens and pencils and paints you've got. Yes, it makes it difficult. Yes, it makes it makes the sort of the end product not exactly what you want it to be. But at the end of the day, you still probably should be able to tell what the picture is. Sorry, I've got, I've got visions of Claudio Ranieri having an art lesson from Tony Hart. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have some time to have art lessons in the, uh, in the coming weeks and months, probably. I, I do have sympathy for him in a, in a, in a number of ways, but I just think... The way Watford have performed has been so up and down, in and out, uh, and genuinely, generally pretty, pretty poor. Specifically, in the games that really, really count, Burnley away was another one where we couldn't pick a pass against another team who couldn't pick a pass, and yet we contrived to lose. Brentford were poor that night, Watford were worse. Last night, Norwich weren't great. Watford were worse and you know the, the players absolutely need to do some soul searching and there needs to be some serious conversations among themselves as to whether they're serious or interested about this that needs to be happening today but also you have to ask questions of the manager but also and to preempt your next question John I think to take it a step back you have to look at what Claudio Ranieri has inherited which is again to give him a little bit of credit Jason though do you think there is a, you know, forget what we expect from Gino's choices and when he makes these choices to change managers. Do you feel that this is the time to do it? Is it and that is, is that just because we've got 15 days until we've got another, you know, two weeks until we've got another game? I, I can't imagine that Gino will have watched that last night and feels that he is happy to carry on with things the way they are. Um, we didn't just lose to Norwich. It was an embarrassing humiliation, wasn't it? I mean, it was. It, it felt awful being there, sitting in the stands. I, I, we stayed till the bitter end. We, we always do. But a lot of people voted with their feet after the second goal or after the third goal. And it was a tough, tough watch. And it would have been even tougher for Gino. And you would expect him to make a change. I, since last night, sort of been flipping and flopping sitting on the fence as always um part of me saying yeah look something needs to change we, mike's there been talking about games where we've won where we've we've played so much better and games that we've been in where we've sort of battled against some of the the bigger teams and then not turned up for games where we should be able to pick up points and you sort of got a question to claudio why have we played differently? It seems that against Manchester United, we we played with we we pressed them, we 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 caused some problems. The Harry Maguire sending off came because we we pressed them high. Why are we then not doing that against teams that are, are more fragile and perhaps lacking confidence? Why are we sitting back more and and letting them feel comfortable? That to me doesn't make sense, and that is definitely on Claudio. The other side of me is thinking, well. We know what the model is, and if we we keep changing the managers, the head coaches rather, the players know that it is there, and it's a question we've asked before. Are the players thinking, well, this isn't going the way we want it to? That's fine. We'll have another head coach in a few weeks' time. 
do they sort of take the foot off the gas because of that? You'd, you'd hope not because these players are not just playing for Watford, they're playing for their careers and they should have the right mindset to to want to give 100% every game. But you again, you sort of question whether the knowledge that the head coach could be gone very quickly might affect the way that, that these guys play if they don't like what they're doing under Ranieri. So perhaps we need, at some point, we need a head coach to be given the chance to stay there, put his mark on the team, sort the players out, and maybe even, if things don't go our way, just for the continuity to carry on their next year, to give the message almost to the squad, to the players and to any potential players coming in that, no, we're not just going to change the manager at a, a, a toss of a coin, at the flick of a switch, just because you aren't happy with how the head coach works. Yeah, he. we will have a head coach who is here to stay. You lot need to prove that you deserve a place in this team. Otherwise, you are the ones that are going to get binned. Otherwise, it just becomes too easy for them to to sort of hang on and sort of call it in and then wait for the ne- next head coach to come in. I, it, it's it's tough, isn't it? We know Duxbury's talked about learning from the mistakes of the past. They've done things differently this time in a way that, well, <laughs> have they done things differently in the way they've built this squad? Perhaps they have in some areas they haven't. We always talk about the defence and how they've not invested in that. And again, feels like we've scrabbled around to do that in January as a sort of last, yeah, last knockings when we should have been doing it over the summer, th- two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. It, yeah, have lessons been learned? Maybe they've done some things differently, but it hasn't worked so far. So I think ultimately for me, and I'm sure they do this, but it, it doesn't feel like they are. The guys at the top, Potsos, Duxbury, they need to look at themselves. They need to make sure, right, what is your long-term ambition? What is your short-term ambition? What is realistic? Put the things in place that meet those ambitions, that are realistic, that makes us successful on the pitch. And it shouldn't take too much for us to, or shouldn't have taken too much for us to stay up this year. Because as we've talked about time and time again, the sides at the bottom there's a lot of rubbish down there. Unfortunately, at the moment, we are one of them. And you think that sort of from being rubbish to being slightly less rubbish is not a big leap and we should be capable of that. And it and ultimately, it comes down to those guys to get it right. And so far, this season and perhaps for the last couple of seasons, it's probably since a cup final, they have not got it right. They need to change it. They need to get it right. I absolutely agree, Jason. I mean, for me, what we don't have and that we're crying out for compared to other teams like us who have limitations, um, whatever they are, financial or razzmatazz and glamour, is has never been from the Pozzos, this is how we play football. Okay, so that filter means it's only that manager It's only that manager. It's only those players. It's that player. And we need this one to go in here. There is no sort of overarching ethos to how Watford play football, how we're going to go about playing games and winning games that makes us settled and makes it... I don't don't think I need to... As a fan, I don't think I want to feel settled because it makes my mental health much, much, much nicer. But it just really helps to sort of understand things a bit better. But their choice of managers, as we've seen, flip and flop and flip and flop. There is no consistency in those choices. And that's why I put so much more on our continued problems on Gino and his choices in in changing the manager. I agree with you, John, absolutely entirely. I think it's less about the style of play. I think I think that's a luxury that we're miles away from being able to to ask for that we see a sort of a, But we shouldn't be miles away from it. We should have developed it. No, we now. shouldn't be. We shouldn't yeah, absolutely. And we absolutely haven't. The the big issue for me is the overarching and all encompassing culture at the at the football club at the moment. So we've talked about the players who'd look like they're 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 not up to it or not up for it. So that's the what we're talking about there is the character of the squad. They've got individuals who aren't up to the job. And who's that down to? That's not down to any of the head coaches. That's down to Gino and Scott, the people who sign the sign the checks, people who decide who comes through the door. We've evidently ended up with players 
not fit for purpose. So that I think is un- indisputable after last night, and that doesn't lie at the at the um, at the door of the head coach. That's the that's the owners. That's the people that that sign the check. Once you've got characters in the building that aren't up to scratch, aren't willing to get into the trenches for Watford, aren't willing to play for the badge, aren't willing to play for the supporters, and look for that easy way out, as Jason said, we'll get the manager sacked. Once you've got that, that's rotten. It festers. And it's very, very difficult to to turn around. And we've seen it getting worse and worse and worse, really, I think, over over time. And as owners of the football club, yes, you've got to stay in the Premier League. You've got to aim to get in the Premier League. And sometimes that might be a quick fix. That might be a, a bodge job, which might be gambling on a new manager or a head coach, sorry, or gambling on a new player coming in. That from time to time is absolutely fine. Being reactive is fine. But what that doesn't do, that what that is, is, a, is, is the boy with his thumb in the dam, isn't it? It's a sticking plaster over a broken leg. It might work for very, very briefly in the short term, but over the long term, you're just kicking the can down the road. And for me, last night, the cul- that last night was the culmination of lots of cans being kicked down a lot of roads. We've got disinterested players. We've got question marks over the head coach, who he himself will probably be expecting to get the, the sack at some stage in the in the in the coming hours. So that 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 tells you what what you need to know. And we've got fans who are disenchanted, that like like I've never known in in my time at Watford. And I do think there are other mitigating factors. People have been away from the club for a long time. Yada yada yada. But there's a reason, a big reason that fans are are disenchanted. It's because we've got no idea how we're in this state and why we're in this state. We got the golden ticket of being back in the back in the Premier League. Not many clubs get to bounce back first time, especially against the backdrop of all the the stuff that was going on in the world last year. So for us to get the golden ticket and then to fail to look at ourselves. Uh, as a club, as an operation, as a hierarchy, and to fail to identify what's gone wrong before so badly is just infuriating and and disappointing. And yes, they might change the head coach. Yes, another new centre-back might come in in January. But the reality is that isn't the problem at Watford at the moment. It's the overarching culture that has been allowed to fester within Vicarage Road that ultimately ends with a performance like that from a team that looks like that it's everyone is culpable from whoever crosses the white line to whoever sits in the boardroom they are all culpable and you need to start looking at the top because we can't keep having these conversations about the players not not being fit for purpose changing the manager all the moving parts are broken at the moment and if you're if if you're buying broken moving parts or try or persisting with trying to stick broken parts together, you're doing it wrong. That's not to say they're bad owners or stewards of the club or guardians. You can appreciate what they've done and what they continue to do. I have absolutely no doubts. There is not a part of me that thinks that they're not in it for the right reasons. There isn't a single part of me that doesn't think Gino Pozzo and Scott Duxbury and everyone that works there aren't desperate for Watford to succeed. I have every faith in, in that that's what they've done. They've done good things for this football club, but you are able to say they've done good things on, while on the other hand saying they are making what look like fatal mistakes. And this, I'm going to say it again, the culture needs to change and that needs to start from within. And that isn't a, a team meeting like the thing we had against post-Coventry. That might help us in the short term. It might help turn the season around from the playing point of view. But we, we're just going to lurch from situation to situation like this. So when the new head coach comes in, if one does come in, in, in six games, we could be having this conversation again. The culture needs to change and that needs to come from the very, very top. They need to set the standards and they need to stick to it. And they need to to change the way that some of the change some of the decision making processes that are, that are evidently in place. They're making too many massive mistakes, and the club feels like it is. You know, I, I was talking yesterday about us having now to prepare for the championship. That there's still plenty of games to go. We might somehow pull this out of the bag. But my very very real fear is that if this club gets relegated. We go straight through the next division as well. You always say that. You always say that. But John, 
all the problems that apply now, if they apply next year in the championship with a, a squad that will look almost impossibly different to the one we have now, it will be exacerbated even further. So I think we have to, as, as Watford supporters, as critical friends, say that we are at a very, very dangerous concerning time for for Watford and I'm sure you know they will recognize the seriousness of it what I really really hope is that they recognize one of the root causes of it and that is the culture uh, at Watford Football Club at the moment we have still got two games in hand technically and there are 16 games left we are we're 18th that is the relegation zone we've dropped in but we've we've got plenty of of games and stuff to go Uh, 11 you know nine days left in the transfer window and, and 14 days until the next game against against Burnley. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Cool, Mike. You've said your piece, hopefully. <laughs> um, mm. What is it? What, can, what do you reckon Watford fans need to do for the rest of the season, no matter... If this massive shift you're talking about in the hierarchy that doesn't happen overnight, there are some possible changes that that can happen. What am I going to do for the rest of the season to to have a bit of fun? You know, look, ultimately it's football. We need to just turn up and try and enjoy it. It's a bit of escapism for us uh, at the end of a tough working week or studying or whatever whatever it is you do. Um, football is supposed to be fun, so it's all down to us as individuals to try and to try and enjoy it. Um, potentially, tell yourself that this might be some of the last time we get a chance to go to some Premier League grounds for, for a while. So <laughs> maybe do that. But we can't. We cannot impact that that huge change that's required. What I guess what we can do is show that you know we complained about the players not being united and not being committed. We as supporters can show that we are. Um, uh, we are committed uh, we don't, and by supporting the team that doesn't mean you're not critical of the regime or what they're doing we can, for 90 minutes we can make our voices heard in a, in a positive way so I would suggest that as a, as a fan base the way forward now is to stand shoulder to shoulder uh, and to, to shout louder than we might have done before and to sing louder than we might have done before and to show them that we haven't given up yet um, even if it even if it looks like like they have, there are still games out there to be won. If somehow we can win seven matches, we'll stay in the Premier League and we'll have saved our skin and earned ourselves another golden ticket and another chance to to right these wrongs. So as supporters, let's turn up. Let's make an, make make our voices heard. You know, Norwich were noisy last night. They were having a party in the in the corner last night. I was in the Elton John. Pretty much that's all I could hear throughout out the game. Obviously a reason for that. But as supporters, there's some big games coming up. All we can do is is get behind them. Get behind the team. Get behind those that do wear the yellow shirt at this at this time. Well, we have got, of course, an, someone else who is now following Watford. Uh, last night was DCW's mum's first game uh, at Vicarage Road. This lady has lived since 1983 within yards uh, of Vicarage Road, uh, behind the uh, behind the, the Red Lion pub, but she's never been to a game before. This is a little diary that DCW uh, and his mum made uh, when they went and sat and watched the game last night. So, Mum, we've just walked up Harwards Road, a walk you have done countless, thousands and thousands and thousands of times over your uh, over your life, but for the first time ever, you're going to turn left at the top instead of going to the hospital or going down to a school that I used to go to or going to the shops, and you're going to go into Vicarage Road to watch Watford against Norwich in your first ever Watford match, your first ever game in Vicarage Road, despite living 10 minutes literally down the road. So how do you feel just approaching the stadium and ahead of the game? What are you feeling right now? Well, at the moment, it's very noisy, but it's quite exciting. And I'm looking forward to it. Right then, Mum, we've made it up the steps to row H in the Sir Elton John stand. We're right in line with the goal line. So it'll be perfect for any goal line incidents later on. This is your first time inside Vicarage Road seeing the pitch 
what are your first impressions of the stadium, of the stand, of the pitch, of the atmosphere and everything you can see? Uh, well, first of all, I saw the Graham Taylor stand, which was great. Um, I love it. I love the nighttime one, all the lights. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's great. And I love the atmosphere. Uh, it's great. Does it feel different to what you expected? Yes, definitely. It's just, I don't know. It's just something I've never been to before, but I feel very excited and a fantastic atmosphere. I love it. Right, Mum, you do realise that this is the most important game of Watford's season so far. To the point where we've had the manager and the captain imploring fans to come to the game. And you've been one of those fans have answered the call of Musa Sissoko to get down here tonight and support Watford. So you do realise if it's a bad night, you won't be able to ever come again. I will definitely come again. Well, under any any circumstances, I would definitely come again. It might not be your decision. If you if we lose tonight, I might take that decision out oh, of your hands. So that's my fault then. We'll see. But before we're about five minutes till kick off, using your extensive knowledge of both teams, let's have a score prediction for tonight. What do you think the result will be? Two for Watford and nil for Norwich. Two nil Watford. I think we take that. Come on, your horns. It's going to be a long night. Right then, half time, nil nil. Mum, that was your first 45 minutes of football at Vicarage Road. What did, you, what did you think of the game? How did you think of Watford are playing? Well, I think they should have had a goal for a start already. Um, yeah, it's really good. I'm in, really enjoying it. So, fingers crossed, let's hope we get a 2 nil for us. What are your main observations from the, from the football so far? It is quite exciting, but there's a lot of people keep pushing and shoving and falling over. That does get on my nerves a little bit. You haven't been a big fan of the referee, have you? Not really. I haven't noticed him an awful lot, but I have been watching him a bit, bit more now. But I don't think he's that great, not really. As you saw at the start of the game, today is the Graham Taylor Memorial Day, the way when we pay remembrance and pay respect to Graham Taylor because this is the closest game to the anniversary of his death on the 12th of January. 12th of January. And you saw all the scars before kickoff. What did you think about that? Oh, I loved it. It was respect, really. I loved it. I really did. Yeah, it was good. And it's particularly appropriate that you're here today on the Graham Taylor match day because you have got a story about Graham Taylor that I, I think we need to let our audience in on. It's just a story that I've told many people over the years and you know what, people never quite believe me but maybe from the horse's mouth they will. So tell us the story, take us back to I think it was about 1996, 1997, something like that, a Saturday afternoon and what happened? Well I had to take my daughter out to a party and we got stuck in with between our car and two other cars came back home couldn't get my car out and I noticed there was a car in front of me that had Watford things like scarves and things in the car so I managed I went back home I somehow got the number and I phoned up Watford football and it was on the um, phoning something I don't know who I got put through to and then they put me to one number then another number and I explained that I needed if there was any chance that I had the number plate of the car if they could put it in the in the in Watford you know the tannoy. yeah the tannoy and um, I can't remember a lot of it but then they put me on to someone else and then someone else and then the next one must have been about the fifth person and it was a man and I explained what had happened. So you were getting pretty annoyed by this point weren't you? Um, I wasn't really, I was a bit annoyed but it was just it was going from one person to another one to another yeah. one and then the next one was a gentleman and I was trying to explain to him and he was very polite and he said, he said madam he said I think he said my name is Graham Taylor and we are having a meeting before the football match and my son was absolutely, well, very embarrassed. <laughs> and I was embarrassed as well. And I think my son said that because of him, you're probably going to lose the football match now. And it was actually a, a quite, it was very funny, actually. But, but Graham Taylor was very good with oh, you, wasn't no, he? Oh, no, he was very polite. He was very sweet. He wasn't angry. 
Um, I, and he probably thought to himself, how come this woman has come through to the phone for him? And I was a bit embarrassed, but no, he was very polite and um, and I just apologised and he did as well and I think he said thank you, have a good day, something like that. But he was, no, no, he was a real gentleman, yeah. But it was funny, it did make me laugh anyway. And then you decided to write a poem that you were going to send to Graham Taylor because you liked to write poems back, at, back in those days. But the thing is, you never actually sent it, did you? No, I was a bit... I undenard and undenard, and I kept thinking, oh, it's a bit silly, you probably think it's a bit weird, and then my son said, why don't you send it in, and then a couple of other people said, why don't you write, and I undenard for a while, and in the end, I never did it, and in, in hindsight, I wish I had done it now, but... And knowing, and knowing what we know about Graham, he probably would have replied, which is a shame you didn't send it in, but we've still got the poem, it's still in a folder at home, and we're going to read it out for you to hear a little later on. Well, it's all happening here at Vicarage Road, or or not, as the case may be. The lights have gone out. What do you think? They didn't put enough money in the meter. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. That was the obvious joke to make. Um, but Watford are not doing very well. They're 1-0 down. Not looking very good, is it? No. I'm disappointed, but let's hope we'll get another... Maybe another goal for Watford. Another, maybe two. Fingers crossed, anyway. Oh, I think we're going to restart. Come on, Watford, sort it out. Right, full time, Watford nil, Norwich three. An absolute shambles. We'll leave Mike, John, Jace and the rest of the gang to discuss that match and pick the bones out of it. But, Mum, I said at the start of the game that if we lose, I wouldn't let you back. I, I, I don't think it that disastrous result was anything to do with you it was all the fault of those useless players um, and but what did you make of the evening uh, well I enjoyed it um, it is upsetting that we didn't win didn't get any goals um, yeah but I will be going to see another one at some so point, you are going to come back definitely despite that disaster you saw unfold before you you want to come back to Vicarage Road definitely yes I don't know when but I will definitely and I really did enjoy it and yeah it was good so it's your first match you've been to but of course therefore the first match you've ever been to with me so what did you make of sitting next to me for the 90 minutes well you see any change in my behavior from normal uh, you were getting a bit cross sometimes a bit sweary which most people were uh, and you, a few expletives from you as well, as well. I know, but it's just frustrating to, for everybody. You want to win, don't you? And I didn't think the referee was very good, but... Uh, could you pick out a favourite Watford player? Was there any highlight or positive you could take from that? Number 10. Number 10, Jao Pedro. I thought, I don't know the name, but yeah. I think he was quite good. And, and the other one that came on, number, number 29. 29, was very good yeah. as well. Cucho. I yeah. think he was about just about the but only player that comes they, out of any credit. Go on. I think they were fluffing around a little bit. But hey-ho, sometimes you have a good match and sometimes you don't, unfortunately. Well, we certainly have a lot more bad matches than good this season. But it's been a disappointing night, a disappointing evening to take Mum to her first ever game. But as you heard, she will be back. There's a new member of the Women of Watford. But let's try and end this evening on something of a positive. Let's hear Mum reading out that poem that she wrote all those years ago to Graham Taylor. Dear Mr Taylor, what can I say? I hope my mad phone call didn't spoil your day. It's a mystery, I know, how I got through to you. Whilst I was so embarrassed, you seemed quite shocked too. I was in a bit of a panic as I needed to use my car. And as I so kindly informed you, it was stuck and couldn't go far. If Watford lose, said my son, it would be my fault, it seems, as you were probably having a tactics talk with the team. I hope this isn't the case and it didn't upset the game. I'm normally calm and collective, not a silly hysterical dame. But it was nice to chat to you and I'd really like to say it would be better in different circumstances, maybe another day. If anything, Michael, listening to, firstly, the fact that she had that conversation with Graham Taylor and he had that conversation with him, you know, on that night where we saw everyone holding their, their scarves high for Graham. And 
the fact that she then wrote a poem about him and you know it is that inspiration thing that that goes around with with him and why we are what for fans and i just adored the fact that you know she she was disappointed that we lost but she still enjoyed the game she still enjoyed being there and the atmosphere and all the the good things about the game in and this is not in a patronizing way mrs walker you know she she was a, a an almost like that child approach that you have to a football match where you enjoy the things around you yeah that was bad but we move on that's how we should that's how we should almost treat the rest of the season maybe it is it's, it is can be fantastical doesn't it and just to go back to the, the story with gt i mean that is in a nutshell what watford can be isn't it i mean it's a real measure of uh, of the man of, of graham taylor but it just shows what he could inspire you know for to, to her reaction to write a poem it's just it's just so magical and it's not just GT that inspires that. It's Watford that can inspire that. It's football that, that can inspire that. That sort of... And it is childlike enthusiasm. We all spend f- much, much uh, more time than is healthy for, for grown men talking about, talking about football. And the reason for that is it can deliver us so much, so much joy and excitement and, and hope and expectation and all those emotions. And we're going through the, the worst of them at the moment but it really really is nice to to hear that Dave's mum had a, had a great time uh, at, at the game because it, it it reminds us what what football can can do it can be fantastical it can be inspiring and it can be uh, emotional and, and memorable it's a good way to end to, to to remember that that good times are always just around the corner with with football or at least the chance of good times are always just around the corner. It is one of those uh, those podcasts that we've done several times uh, over the last 13 seasons. Uh, and we'll see what happens over the next couple of uh, days, couple of weeks maybe. Uh, but of course, we'll be back. Who will be the manager? Who will be the, ch- the players that get picked? We don't know, but we'll always be here because, hey, like you, we're fans of Watford Football Club. So thank you very much, Michael. No worries. Usually I feel infinitely better after uh, after doing the podcast after a, a defeat it's um, it's very very cathartic but this is this was that was a real wounder last night and I'm, uh, yeah it's going to take some time to to get over that but stick with it guys and girls um we're all in it together let's hope there's a better times ahead and thank you Jason thank you I'm going to enjoy the weekend the NFL playoffs are on and I can watch that without any jeopardy because my NFL team the same as yours John <laughs> is equally rubbish as Watford the New York Giants in fact probably an even worse place than Watford at the moment um, so you think if you're having a bad time as a Watford fan you can be a New York Giants fan as well uh, so we can enjoy the NFL playoffs not have to watch match of the day because of that forget about football fantastic stuff Thank you so much to uh, Mrs. Walker as well and DCW for their little mini diary uh, of being at that game yesterday and uh, what a wonderful poem. Uh, so we're going to finish by saying thank you, Graham, because of the great things that he did for the club uh, and the celebration that we had for him before the game yesterday. And, and probably like us, he just wants fantastic for Watford Football Club. Come on, you ones! The Athletic.